Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Andy Snoke. First off, the book of James, some general information. Uh, the book of James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Jude were called by the early church general or universal epistles because their addresses were not limited to a single locality like Paul would write to a specific church. James, for example, is, is addressed to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So he was writing to everybody, everybody that was a believer. He, was, he wrote, these are general epistles. They're written to everybody, not specifically to a church or specifically to some elders, but to the church at large. Uh, part of the contents of it, the book is concerned with the practical aspects of Christian conduct. So it's going to talk more about practical things, how to walk. And I like that, you know, practical things of what you and I should do day in and day out. It tells how faith works in everyday life. Jane's purpose was to provide concrete ethical instruction. Now, compared to Paul, James shows much less interest in formal theology, though the letter is not without theological statements. Many subjects are discussed in this book, making it like a series of brief sayings or proverbs arranged in the form of a letter. While there's little formal structure to the book, its many instructions explain how to be doers of the word. In the 108, 108 verses of the epistle, there are references or allusions from 22 books of the Old Testament and at least 15 allusions to the teachings of Christ as embodied in the Sermon on the Mount. Among the key subjects discussed are faith and works, the use of the tongue, and the prayer for the sick. So that's just kind of an overview of the book of James. And I remember Brother Wager years ago used to say that if you want to increase wisdom, if you want wisdom, read Proverbs and read the book of James. And the best way to read Proverbs, we should all be doing this, whatever day it is, today is the 27th, read the 27th chapter of Proverbs. It doesn't take long to do it. Tomorrow you read the 28th chapter. That way every month you're reading the entire book of Proverbs and every proverb is just loaded with wisdom. And that's what we're going to find with James. James is kind of like reading a proverb, but then he expounds on it a little bit, on each one of them. Now, I threw out a little teaser Sunday morning with uh, the Denton Assembly about the, the first chapter of James that we're going to touch on a verse that I've never heard anybody preach a message on. It's a verse that no one quotes. When someone says, what's your favorite verse? No one quotes it. But yet it's full of importance because of what's behind it. That's the first verse. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's significant about that? 
I asked earlier if anybody had a favorite relative. Famous. Now, a lot of people, if they have a, not a favorite, a famous, a lot of people, if they have a real famous relative, they like to mention that relative all the time. Yeah, my, yeah, my dad is, or my grandpa was a president, or whatever it is. Um, you know, if you're real close to them, you like to mention famous people in your life uh, if you're related to them. Well, Jude had a very famous person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He grew up in the same home with him. Matthew thirteen fifty five. it says, Is this not the carpenter's son, Jesus? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? He's talking about his brothers. James grew up in that same home. That was his brother. Jesus was his brother. And he calls him, not my brother. He doesn't say James, a brother of Jesus. He says a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw that Jesus was far more than a brother. He was the Lord and he was God. In the New King James Version, it calls, he says, James, a bondservant of God. That might be more appropriate to calling a bondservant. A bondservant, in some Bibles, the word bondservant is the translation of the Greek word doulos, which means one who is subservient to and entirely entirely at the disposal, disposal of his master. He's a slave. In Roman times, the term bondservant or slave could refer to someone who voluntarily served others, but it usually referred to the one who was held in a permanent position of servitude. Under Roman law, a bondservant was considered the owner's personal property. Slaves essentially had no rights and could even be killed with the, by the impunity of their, own, of their owners. In the Old Testament, a bondservant was a slave, an indentured servant, who became a bondservant voluntarily who wanted to serve his master voluntarily. And James is saying, I have chosen to be a bondservant, a slave completely under the unction and influence and command of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never does he say, my brother. Never does he say, my half-brother because he saw who he really was. I just find that significant, that he starts off by introducing himself as a bondservant. Later, we're going to read the book of Jude, the other brother of Jesus. And Jude begins his epistle like this. Greetings to the called. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Jude does the same thing. Jude wants everyone to know that I'm James's brother, but I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I may have grown up with him too, like my brother James, but we are bondservants. We have given ourselves over to him to serve him and to do his will. A bondservant in the Old Testament could choose to be a servant to someone. What would happen? Uh, when there was slavery in the Old Testament, 
a family might be sold and the and the the father might could be free but yet he would choose to be a bond servant to stay with his family it was a choice you would actually make a choice to be a slave and you and i are bond servants we have chosen to serve the lord jesus christ it's a choice that we make we choose to be under his will under his plan and to serve him so that first verse, half the first half of that verse, is a very significant verse. It's not a verse that people memorize and quote, but I find it very significant. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, to the 12 tribes that have been spread all out, all over the place, and then he says, greetings. And I can almost hear God saying that to those that are in the dispersion, Greetings to you. Okay. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I'm going to go to the King James Version. And then he says, verse 5, this is where it gets significant. Let's read it first. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. My first question, and you don't have to answer this out loud, how many of you feel like you lack wisdom? I'll raise my hand. <laughs> you know, we, we may have the knowledge or wisdom of the world, but we want the wisdom of God. It changes everything. The wisdom of God, there's no, no comparison. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to, how many people does God give wisdom to? All, liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. So let me read the next verse and we'll touch on it. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now here's what I get out of the, these verses. And I take great joy in it. I'll confess. I'll confess that when I... When we pray for healing for someone, or we pray for a miracle, I'll confess, I don't always have the assurance that God is going to answer that. For whatever the reason, for whatever the reason may be, I don't often have the assurance that just because I prayed it, it will go the way that I prayed it. But I have a real assurance that if I ask God for wisdom, he will give it. Because he gives it to all men liberally and without reproach, as long as we have faith. As a child of God, as a son or daughter of God, you have the privilege to ask God for a heavenly, divine wisdom. A wisdom in your daily life over daily decisions. You know, when I say wisdom, God can give you and I wisdom in just about everything, just about everything. Every decision you make, God can grant you wisdom. What's, 
what's the wise thing to do? I sometimes get out of the habit, but I frequently like to start my day by asking God to give me the wisdom to get through the day. Grant us wisdom for whatever comes our way throughout the day in the choices that we make, the things that we do, the decisions we make. And he tells us, ask for wisdom. Just ask for it, and God will give it. So let's, let's do that. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Okay, and then he makes, goes on to another subject. Like the book of Proverbs, he changes from subject to subject. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass as flowers falls and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. He's simply saying that wherever you are in the economic level, just be thankful glory in whatever you're at, because even those that have much more will someday just fade away. We all go the same direction. He talks about how the flower, the beautiful appearance perishes, and we all notice that. That's why the cosmetic industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, because we're all trying to hold on to our youth and we've been told uh, that getting, you know, use this, it'll make you look younger. In other words, the inference is getting older is a bad thing. Well, I don't think getting older is a bad thing. <laughs> you can't stop it anyway. It's okay to get older because it happens anyway, and there's a, there's a wisdom that goes along with that. Everything fades. We try to hold on to our youth. We do everything we can. You know, I, I work out a couple times a week down at the gym. I've been doing it since I was 16 years old. But the weights that I'm lifting today compared to what I did when I was 30, they're a fraction. They're a fraction of what I used to do. And I'm proud of what I do now. And yet it's nothing, you know, compared to what I used to do. The, the, the beautiful appearance perishes. But there's one thing that God does that's kind of kind. You look in the mirror, as time goes on, the, the picture in the mirror, I don't know about you guys, but it's not as pretty as it used to be. It's not as good looking as it used to be, but God is merciful because it gets to the point where you can't really see it very well anyway, so it doesn't really matter unless you're wearing your glasses, and I think that's God way, God's way of just being merciful to us. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for he has been approved. He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. In other words, when temptations come, just turn away from it. Turn away from it quickly before it grows and it gets a hold of you. You know, this isn't, this could be talking about alcohol, but it's not. It could be talking about many different issues. And we always take a stance against uh, uh, drinking uh, because uh, if you really want to get down to it, you can't, you can't build a case uh, on the scriptures and say that you can't ever drink alcohol. Uh, but 
It's unwise to drink alcohol, and the Bible talks about that. And there's an old saying about alcoholics uh, that goes like this, and you've probably heard it, where a man takes a drink, and then pretty soon the drink takes the drink, and then pretty soon the drink takes the man. And that's how it happens. A man, and that can be any other thing as well. A man takes it first, and then pretty soon that addiction, the drink takes the drink, and then pretty soon the drink takes a man, or whatever addictions we're talking about. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, of whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. And by the way, when I read this verse, when something good happens to you, no one here does this, but I'm glad that no one says, boy, am I ever lucky. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. If something good comes your way, a good gift comes your way, a perfect gift, give thanks to God for it. Give thanks to God. It comes down from the Father of lights, of with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be the first kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, now James was talking at that day of, about early Christians that literally were the first fruits of Christianity on the earth. They were the beginning. But this can be much more than that. God, as we've often heard, the Lord is calling a first fruits company to enter into a place in his kingdom and a place hidden away with him. But I love the word first fruits. He celebrated the first fruits in the Old Testament. And what the, what the, the first fruits were brought into the temple. When you give your tithe on Sunday morning, in reality, you're giving your first fruits of the work week. To God, you're celebrating the first fruits. But I love the word first fruits because of what it means, and we often forget it. But the first fruits simply means that behind the first fruits is a great harvest. And that's a wonderful thing. God is calling a first fruits company because there's going to be a great harvest behind it. God is not interested in saving a handful of people, He's interested in a great harvest. So whether you're part of the first fruits or part of the harvest, we give thanks to God for the first fruits. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be... Now, I'm working on this one. This is a good one to memorize. And I'll admit, I struggle at it. My, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What great advice. Let every man be quick to hear. Listen, be quick to hear. Slow to speak. You know, not everybody wants to hear our opinion. <laughs> Slow to wrath. Hold on to that anger. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, think of the times in your life and my life when you lost your temper, you lost your temper at somebody or a spouse or a child or a neighbor or whoever it was, and you got real, or the boss, you lost your temper and you, you said some things you didn't mean to say, has your anger or wrath, 
has it ever made things better? You know, never. And that's what he's saying. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Try to hold on to it. Even when you get upset, try to, try to not become wrathful. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, this is where there's quite a few verses that, that James expounds on this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And a lot of people, uh, different people feel that the Apostle Paul and James were, at, uh, were contradicting one another, but they're not. Paul talked about faith, whereas James talks about works. But they go hand in hand. You show your faith by your works. If you have faith, you show it by the works and the deeds that you do. You know, when you marry someone, you promise to love them for the rest of their life. Well, that's the promise. That's the faith part. But then you got to be a doer. You got to walk it out. You have to do things to prove that. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, he goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So, okay, so we're going to move on to the last couple verses. Uh, and he changes, he changes the tone again. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but to see he but to seize his own heart, this one's religion is useless. He's going to talk about the tongue a little bit later. The tongue is a powerful, powerful thing here. So if you think you're religious, but you don't bridle your tongue, don't go around saying everything that you that you think. You know, I heard you've heard that saying about how's it go? It's uh, when people are giving their opinion on different things, and you're standing there and you're not saying anything, and Someone says, why aren't you uh, contributing? Why aren't you giving your opinion? Some people have said, well, you know, it's better to, to look like a fool than it is to open my mouth and prove that I'm a fool. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's better just to bite your tongue and don't say anything at all. Bridle your tongue. Learn to bridle your tongue. Not everybody in the world wants to hear everything you say and, and all of our opinions. But if you don't bridle your tongue, you're deceiving your own heart. And this one's religion is useless. Okay, last verse. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.